the boss on talk with Rabs Mabote. Meet the boss. Meet the boss. Meet the boss. Only way to start is to start refreshed, do something real, have no regrets. Step out of the shadows and into the light, make stage or the stage yours. Make your game tight, step up onto the stage, start a collab, start a business, write a whole new page. Let your talent be your guide. Start refreshed with Hunter's Real natural cider by your side hunters it's not for sale to persons under the age of 18 i repeat hunters is not for sale to persons under the age of 18 so it is that time where we meet somebody we call a boss and the reason we do this by the way is for inspiration if for nothing else because we look up to these people and we want to celebrate what they do and learn a thing or two about 
how they do it, but also to know more about their industry. Now, before I introduce my guest, I need to say this to you. Have you got an appetite to do business into the continent? Or are you already doing business and are facing challenges? Well, I'll tell you this much. You want to listen to this chat I'm about to have with Lerato Mataboche. She's acting CEO of Trade Africa. I spoke to her about two weeks ago. It was for a specific reason. But at that point, I realized, no, we need to know more about this organization because I know a lot of you, and I always create this character who sells nails, who makes nails, who manufactures nails, and could have a great opportunity to sell nails, let's say, in Lusaka. You know, how do they get there? What do they need to know to get there? Because sometimes the market is probably saturated here, but 300 kilometers past the border, you could be making lots of money. And you are so disillusioned here because you're thinking, South Africa is useless. Maybe your money is elsewhere. Maybe your money is in Quachas, not in Rands. Maybe it's in Zim dollars. No, they use US dollars now. No, but maybe it's in some other currency in the continent. So you want to listen to this show? And get to know about how you can do business in the continent, beyond the borders, beyond the, the, the Limpopo River. So, Ms. Lerato D. Mataboche is currently the acting CEO of Trade Africa, an initiative of the DTI, uh, the Department of Trade and Industry. It's aimed at increasing the levels of intra-Africa trade and intra-Africa investments. She previously held positions of Chief Director for Africa at the DTI. And in June 2011, she completed her term as South Africa's chief economic representative to the United States of America. Thank God it was before Trump. Uh, she was based in Washington. Uh, she holds a BA Law and International Relations degree as well as an Honours degree in International Relations from the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. Why do they have to say that? Is there any other uh, university of Witwatersrand? Anyway, uh, she obtained a master's degree in international political economy, international trade and global finance from the University of Warwick in the United Kingdom. Okay, I'm going to have to stop because if I read this whole CV, we may just lose the whole show before I even say good evening to her. Good evening, Ryan. Thank you very much for coming in. Sure, thank you for having me. Okay, before we start, because I know you've got the flu, I'm going to give you a chance to take one last sip of your hot water and I'll take a break. Beat the boss on talk with Rams Mabote. Beat the boss. Beat the boss. Beat the boss. And the boss is here. She's got the flu, but she says she's brave enough to finish the show. I will not ask her questions that will make her cough. So it's going to be in light and nice. So let's start with you. Who are you? Where does the journey begin? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? You know, a bit of schooling. We don't have to start at grade one, but you know, general general info about where it all began yes i was born 38 years ago in rustenburg uh, in the northwest specifically in a little township called Tlavani. Mm-hmm. um i was i'm I'm, a, I'm the eldest of four children okay uh, so i've got three younger sisters that come after me in terms of schooling um i started my schooling Primary schooling in, in Rustenburg, and uh, at about the age of ten, uh, I was I moved to Mabatu, to the school. It was such a wonderful school at the time, uh, Mabatu High School, one ah. of the only sort of multicultural, diverse yes, schools yes. that we could have um, in in that era. So my parents were smart and kind enough to send me to that school, uh, which I think opened up 
a lot uh, for me. Yeah. In terms of experiences. What year did you say this was? Um, when I went. To Mawatwa? Uh, 1990. Okay. Um, okay. So it was still under Tautuna. It was under Tautuna. Yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, very well resourced um, school as well. So that that's where I actually started my... I was at ten at five. What do, what do we call it now? What yeah, grade something. I think seven. <laughs> I think seven. I always think you add or minus two, but it's somewhere there. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so that's where my schooling started. And around 1993, um, a number of, of former Model C schools were now being changed and mm-hmm. integrating black, black students. So my parents moved me back to Rustenburg. So I then went to Granville High School. That was a very interesting experience because for the first time, I was one of eight black students in that school. It was a very interesting yet strange um, experience. I think it was the first time that I actually became conscious of racial dynamics because in as much as High was multicultural and multiracial, we did not have that. Uh, we had students from Czechoslovakia, Denmark, um, black, white, Indian, you name it. But this specific school, Granville, also shaped me because for the first time, again, it, it opened my eyes to the real situation in South Africa, which I never really was aware of. As you know, the homelands insulated us um, in a way as well. So so that's where I went um, and did my metric. Um, following that, then I went to VETS. Um, the in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg. Oh. <laughs> uh, the reason I went to VETS was I had this, this dream that I'm going to study law and I will be a lawyer and I'll mm. be this fantastic Ellie McBeal type lawyer. Um, interesting enough, the very first week when I got to VETS, um, I saw all these posters all over campus. The International Relations School put all these posters, headlines, CNN, all of that. It was very, very fascinating. Glamorous. Glamorous. Yeah. And fortunately, the way um, the law faculty was set up or, or the way the system was set up at the time, you could actually do your law degree, but also take um, courses from other schools mm. in, the, in the university. So that's how then I took law and IR. Um, and, and, and the international relations bug bit. So I continued with that yeah. uh, up until honors level, up until master's level as well. Um, so yeah, so that, that's my journey. Interesting. Uh, and how I came to Joburg, basically. My, my because I was going to ask you, where would you have heard of or who would you have interacted with that led you the path of IR. So it was actually a poster somewhere. It was a poster somewhere, but I also think that the the seed was planted way earlier. My dad is one of those dads who every single day he's got a newspaper under his armpit. You yeah. know, th- that man, and he will force us to be reading the news. So yeah. he did that. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember we used to roll our eyes all the time because every time he walks into the house, he changes to the news channel. So in as much as, as a child, you're not quite aware that you're absorbing um, current affairs yes. and you're absorbing yes. how the world works. That's partly, I think, the seed that he planted. So by the time I got to university, it just sort of germinated. Um, yeah, and that's how I ended up doing IR. Uh, to my children listening... I am now justified. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing anything stupid by making you watch current affairs from hip hop uh, from time to time. So, it's, it's, you see, a, one day you'll end up being guest on a radio station because you guys get to know about the current affairs. And, and, and then you, you complete your studies. What, what then happens? What, where, where does the career begin? The career began... Um so when I when I actually finished my honours, I then got awarded a master's uh, scholarship by Konrad Adenauer Stifting, which is a <gasps> German 
foundation. I'm a kiss. Hey, are you a fellow cast? I'm a fellow cast. Wow. That's good to know. So I got the cast scholarship. I, wow. Small world, Okay, okay, small world, yes. I got the cast scholarship to do um, my master's, still at WITS. And, and, and part of the, the scholarship came with an internship at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went to SIA and did my internship there. Unfortunately, I think this is one of my biggest regrets because I never actually finished that master's of mine. My course, coursework I did and I did brilliantly. Um, and so while I was doing the internship, then I got headhunted. Well, I'll call it headhunted uh, by, by DTI. Mm-hmm. Um, there were the department was still very small. They were still forming themselves. This was around two thousand and one. Yeah. Um and I remember how I actually got to be headhunted by DTI. I was doing as an intern, we also had to churn out journal articles and you know, write newspaper articles as part of our training. Um so I was doing a an article around South Africa's trade relations with uh West Africa. Yeah. Uh, so I went into the DTI, uh, young as I, how old was I then? 20, 20 or 20, 21, I think. Yeah. Um, went into the DTI and interviewed a number of, uh, senior managers there that work on the African continent to really interrogate their Africa strategy or their rest of Africa strategy at the time. Um, and I'm told that, uh, I was quite tough and I challenged them and I raised pertinent points. I don't recall that, but, um, because I remember after that, um, just as my internship was coming to an end, then I got a call to say, look, we'll be recruiting. We're looking for people. We think we're the right, you're the right person. So that's how then I ended up going to the DTI. Um, I applied like everybody else and got in. So I joined DTI. I started officially 2002. And, and, and DTI for me was somewhat accidental because I thought IR will be foreign affairs at yes, the time. Yes, yes. That's, that's what um, all of us think. Absolutely. Yeah. But the beauty about it is that also trade relations are international relations. In fact, you know? I believe that in, foreign, in international relations, trade is the most important absolutely. thing. That's, that's why we, we relate with other countries is to trade with them. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think... Except for America and North Korea, <laughs> but that's, that's another matter. So I think, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, our paths are ordered, our steps are ordered, that sort of thing. So, so, so I was led to DTI for that. I mean, I still fulfill my IR passion through doing that. So that's how I joined DTI 2002. Um, Let's take a break. Let's take another break and then we'll talk about <laughs> what you did, the spectacular stuff at DTI. Sure. We are on Meet the Boss and the guest is uh, Lerato Matabuha, acting CEO of uh, Trade Africa. I'm going to open the lines immediately. Uh, so that I don't get away, carried away talking to her. So zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven. Especially if you're keen on doing business in the continent, she's gonna lead you the right path. I can promise you that much. If you're already doing business in the continent, she wants to talk to you about things that are, could be troubling you. But also, if you know her from Tabani <laughs> and you remember something not very right about her, this is your chance to remind her. Zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven. Beat the boss on talk with Rams Mabote. Beat the boss. Beat the boss. Beat the boss. So my guest, by the way, is a former musician with a popular quieter group of the 1990s, Ode Mieste. Huh? Lerato Matabuja was with Oriemeste and in life then became acting CEO of Trade Invest Africa, uh, which was established by the DTI last year. 
Before, as I said, she was the Chief Director of Africa Bilateral in the International uh, International Trade and Economic Development uh, Division of DTI. She also spent four years in the United States of America as South Africa's foreign economic representative. She is the boss on Meet the Boss sitting right here. And we're going to take your calls on 89 As you join DTI, I'm sure there was a mandate that they gave you like any other organization. But I'm sure there was your personal passion about where you would want to play in that space. Mm. Mm, tell me about both. And how you reconcile the two. The beauty about the time that I joined DTI was, you know, the department itself was still configuring, um, particularly its international relations unit. Um, we did have an Africa unit, yes, but, but it was somewhat of a clean slate or a blank slate mm. um, where, you know, it was right in the thick of South Africa at presidential level coming up with a map document uh, which ended up becoming the NAPHAD document. Mm-hmm. So there were strategic things happening at a very high level. So we had room then to say, how do we cascade those things into practical um, developmental programs for the continent? Um, so when I got into the DTI, I, I, I got given the position of deputy director, actually. Um, and I was responsible for certain countries in Southern Africa, Mozambique, um, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, and the like. Um, so the beauty about that time, it was at the time when we were also ramping up in infrastructure development on the continent. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? You know, cross-border corridors, the Maputo corridor is yeah. gaining life, yes, what needs yes. to happen. At the same time, we're negotiating the SADC Free Trade Agreement. So you, you become a part of all these processes. Um, and and, and you, you put in your creative ideas mm-hmm. into, into into the process, into the system. And, and what you, I appreciate... You are influencing policy. Oh, absolutely. Like serious policy. Absolutely. And I appreciated that because the kind of managers that I had, are, you know, it was very much a matrix system. So it didn't matter that Ulirato is a deputy director and he's in the room with the deputy director general um, and have views don't matter. So all our views mattered because what they knew was that you are responsible for Mozambique, so tell us what needs to happen, irrespective. So so that was the environment I got into, which Mm -hmm. was pretty exciting. I remember my very first, the first three weeks when I joined DTI, I get a call from uh, the chief director at the time who's somewhere in another engagement, says the minister's going, Alec Irwin at the time, uh, the minister's going to have a meeting on Zimbabwe. You are the Zimbabwe person, right? I'm like, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I've only been here three weeks, but anyhow, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, okay, so you need to go to the meeting with the minister, get everything ready, get the briefing document, go. And that's what happened. And I went fresh, you know, wet behind the ears, Lerato, but, but, but it forces you to then sit down and say, okay, if I'm going to take this document to a person as important as a minister, what am I going to recommend for mm-hmm. him? So you've got that creative space. To and, then and, and when you go see a minister, by the way, they, they, the minister treats you as the expert to brief oh, absolutely. the minister. Absolutely. So they, absolutely. The minister depends on you absolutely. to brief them. Absolutely. And I will say that, and I can only speak for DTI because I've worked for DTI throughout the one thing that we've had, we've always had ministers that have a respect for a person's technical expertise over and up, you know, as opposed to your rank. Yes. So even now with, with Minister Davies is the same, previous minister Mpatfad was the same. So so that's the, that's the culture that we've had mm. um, in the DTI. That's the culture that I was groomed into 
um, that grew me, that kept me yes. in the department actually for this long because I don't think I would have stayed this long had it been different. But it's an enabling environment, so I love it. And I want to be a manager like that myself where I give my team opportunity, irrespective of your rank. You get thrown in the deep end and you swim. Um, when then did you go to the U.S. and how did you get, I mean, how did you end up with this opportunity? I started my term in the U.S. beginning of 2008, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a wonderful time because I remember just as I arrived, I also attended Obama's inauguration. It was fabulous. Yeah. So um, how I got Is this to Ibrahim Rasul's time already? Or it, it was, was just before his time? Ambassador Willie Lentlapo because I oh, served yes, under yes. both yeah. Ambassador Lentlapo and Ambassador Rasul. So um, because I was, I was working on the continent, continental issues. By that time, I was director for, for the region now. I was yeah. director for Southern Africa. Um, and, and, and to get a position at that rank, because U.S., there are a few offices under the Vienna Convention where you can get a minister rank. You need to be a senior manager. So, um, so I was the one, I guess, based on my work and based on my reputation at the depa- in the department, I was the person that they felt could then drive mm. the agenda that, that we had in the, uh, um, with the U.S., Precisely because even even though it was the U.S., you still have a very strong Africa agenda you need to drive on you there from a policy standpoint. Yeah. How do you shape U.S. relations with the continent? The Agoas of this world. Um, mm. Even through the WTO, for example. Yeah. I mean, what are the U.S. positions in the WTO mm. and how do they impact on African positions? Yes. Um, that sort of thing. So I've always maintained sort of the African agenda to it. Yes. Um, so um, I, I, I got sent as well with that clear mandate of, 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 of driving the, the, the continental agenda, yeah. even with, with the U.S. And, and it was a very strategic time and important time because it was at the time right when our SACU uh, U.S. Uh, free trade agreement negotiations had collapsed. Yeah. So we had to redefine a mode of engagement with the U.S., uh, because we're no longer going to have a free trade agreement with each other. So what next? Um, so, so that was exciting for me. And, and again, and more exciting as well coincided a little bit of the end of Bush term and then coming in with the Obama, with Obama and, yeah. and, and the hopefulness that they came with because we had high expectations from an African agenda standpoint. But there's a conversation. Apparently, another, though, there's a conversation for another under interview. Bush, <laughs> apparently, from what I know, <laughs> that... Uh, yeah, so 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 that 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 that's sort of the 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 connection and the trajectory um, for my going to the U.S. So I've always been sort of the the Africa person uh, from a passion standpoint and from the work that I've done in the continent in in, in the DTM. Okay, uh, Lerato, that ends the honeymoon. Let's get to the issues Ooh. now. Enough about you and your fun going over the world and <laughs> seeing all these important people and shaking hands and uh, yeah, seeing the snow. Let's get to issues. And I'm, I, I want to talk about trade in the continent and opportunities and stuff like that. But I'm going to ask, I'm gonna ask the most important question for me, poly, probably very politically incorrect, but I'm just going to ask it because it's very important. Is it as... Is it as are we being honest when we, we tell people that the greatest opportunities in business are in the continent... Or are we just being politically correct because we want to be seen as being pro-continent? We are absolutely being honest. Um, And it takes a basic assessment of just the growth in our trade with the continent. 
uh, over the years. Mm. Just look, looking at 1994 up until now, um, we're about to surpass uh, our trade with Asia. Um, I mean, our trade with continent is super high. Mm-hmm. It's now at number two. Um, but neck on neck, I think we trade, we exported around 300 billion uh, rand worth of goods to yep. the rest of the continent last year. And the important part of that is that this is value-added goods. Uh, this is supporting our industrialization. Yeah. And there's still room for growth because the continent is growing. The continent is constructing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are plans for, ex- for expansion. The, the middle class is growing. There's, there's demand for product. So that's, that's growth for, for, for any company that positions itself appropriately to then uh, be engaging with the rest of the continent. But it's 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 not it's not it's not rose. Yes, three hundred billion sounds good. Uh, but people have to arrive in destinations and travel four hours yes. between airports and cities. Absolutely, uh, no, they have no, to be the, in the places where there's no there. electricity. The challenges indeed are there, and mm. and 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 for us now as Trade Invest Africa, we look at those challenges as well as opportunities. Yeah, because we know that our growth would be so much more. Um, if we had the requisite infrastructure, for example, mm. part of the problem is the logistical issues, uh, issues at border, border efficiencies. Um, the not extra enough. pages on the, in the passport. Uh, we don't operate with extra pages. So well, that does it's not, not about us, but it's, it's, it's about the fact that that's the reality people <laughs> face on the other side. You know, because the bulk of the bottlenecks actually are, are infrastructure related mm. um, and, and even systems related in terms of, you know, is there technology up to scratch yeah. to be to be clearing quickly. To yes. be, um, so, so those for us are also opportunities where we say we can invest in this infrastructure development. We've got enough companies and serve and service providers in South Africa who can provide these solutions. So so we also look into that um, developing infrastructure, energy infrastructure, bulk water infrastructure, road, rail, you name it. That 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 that's part of of, of, of the work that we do. That's why our name is Trade Invest Africa. Trade it's not just Africa, about yeah. Let's get the exports out to the rest of the continent. It's also about let's get South African investments into the rest of the continent to contribute to the development of the continent so that what we look at as challenges become opportunities because the overall goal becomes how is intra-Africa trade faring? Trade amongst ourselves as a collective. Um, And and, and increasingly so, how are intra-Africa investments faring? Because that's another important component we need to talk about. Africans need to start investing in each other's economies. Um, it's critical that we do that. And we respect uh, sort of African products and African services. Zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven is the number to dial to speak to our boss, Lerato Matabo. Especially, please, guys, I, I don't discriminate. If you want to say hi to her, it's okay. Uh, if you want to be angry with her, it's fine. But most importantly, if you're doing business in the continent, if you're looking to do business in the continent, if you've done business in the continent and you're tired that your passport had to become bigger and bigger because of extra pages uh, or whatever else, let's talk. Let's talk. This is a chance to, for you to understand how Trade Invest Africa can help you or should help you to do business in the continent. So, 89 Double one zero double three double seven on Twitter at Rams by the Horns on Facebook. It's Metro FM Talk with Rams. If you're going to write to us on Facebook, we would have a post that was made today that also shows her picture. 
right on that timeline, it's much better for us to pick up that it is on this conversation. Ne? It makes my life much easier that way. So, But we also like to hear your voice. And as I said, I don't restrict what you want to ask here. 089-110-3377. So please wear those headphones. I'm taking the calls and we're going to respond. Who is the trade favoring though between us and the continent? Oh, is that in, 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 in fairness, are, are, we, are we the winners more than the rest of the continent? The, the trade balance is absolutely in South Africa's favor, mm. um, particularly with those countries that are not uh, oil rich. I mean, we've got a, um, a trade deficit with your Nigeria, for example, but we know it's because of the oil. Yeah. Um, so that's part of, of what we're doing to say the only way to reduce the trade imbalance is for us to begin to trade amongst ourselves, for South Africans to begin to source more from the rest of the continent. Um, and part of doing that is, is, again, using our investments to stimulate growth um, and, and also encouraging our own companies here in South Africa to be sourcing on the rest of the continent because we're also part of the problem. How so? Because we're not buying from the rest of the continent, which we should. Why not? There are a number of reasons for that. Give me two. Um, part of them could be, this is, this is now the assumptions that we're having. Part of it could be because African products are always seen as inferior. Um, now the question is how do we address that mm-hmm. from a branding standpoint uh, and where the, the, the issues are actually factual. How do we have proper capacity building programs to deal with standards, to deal with quality, to deal with... So th- so there's a whole work program that you need to have to make sure that we begin to trade amongst ourselves. And as South Africans, we also begin to buy from the rest of the continent. I went to the DRC, I think it was 2012. And I was at this hotel, I think it was called the Grand Hotel. Mm-hmm. And all I saw on the shelves of the wine that they were selling was French wine. Now, the DRC is fairly, a mm. fairly poor country. Of course, it's, it's made of the very rich and the very poor. There's nothing in the middle. And of course, the guys who come to the Grand are the guys who can afford the French wine. And I'm thinking, I come from a country that produces some of the best plonk you can ever get. And plonk mm. is cheap, good wine. And why is it that these guys go get stuff from Paris when they could be getting stuff much closer, which is also African? Mm. So is that what you're talking about? The kind of stuff that we're not getting stuff to our people, the, the perception is still that maybe even from yeah. other countries that Europe is best mm, or absolutely. the East is best. It's partly perception and it's also partly uh, positioning on our part. Um, and and, and we, we're working very closely as well with Brand South Africa around that to say half of the time, particularly when you move further beyond the Sadiq region, we find that a number of our partners uh, on the continent actually don't even know the level of capabilities that South Africa has. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's infrastructure or whether it's supply of wines. So it's also incumbent on us to expose our products uh, to different markets on the rest of the continent. And we're increasingly doing that uh, through the missions that we take, trade mm. fairs, pavilions, different instruments that we use. Um, because we can't take it for granted that somebody sitting all the way in Benin understands or has seen our wine unless yes. they've traveled this way or somebody has shared the wine with them so it's, if we want to penetrate their market then we have to have um overt strategies to do so and expose our products um to to those markets so that's part of what we do i mean it's, it's exposure of products over and above facilitation as well of the market access facilitation of the investment so it's it's quite um 
it's quite a wide range uh, of support and services that, that, that we, we want to provide to our private sector entities. Okay, let's take calls. We've asked for them. Uh, the first caller is Muzi from, I suspect, Bela Bela, but normal screen is written Bela Bela, but I think you're from Bela Bela, Muzi. Good evening. Yes, yes, you're right. Uh, it's Bela Bela, Mr. I'm dark and lovely. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, ma'am, uh, I'm just going to pose a question here. Uh, I'm owning, yes, I'm starting my own company that is to do with merchandise, ne? And definitely, I am looking into going outside South Africa. So, just to get some information on where do I start, what do I need? Because as for now, I did for I did my trademark, which is on the process. Uh, everything's going to be finalized soon. But then, uh, my question is: from there, I'll be having my own designs, uh, like clothing and merchandise and stuff. Mm. So just. Just to know where do I start if I want to uh, uh, put my, my products outside South Africa and advertising outside South Africa. Great stuff, Muzi. Please listen on the radio. We'll come back to you shortly. Uh, Sipo in Hamanskral, thank you very much for the call and for listening. Good evening to you. Hey, good evening, Rems. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, I just wanted to say hi to Lerato. Mm. Hello, Sipo. Yes, Lerato. I actually used to work with uh, Lerato in the United States of America when I was uh, actually stationed in uh, New York. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, to, to say hi and congratulate her on Zipo. her Zipo achievement. Yes, Zipo oh, It's good to hear from you, my brother. Yes, stay humble, my sister, and keep the hard work. Uh, that's what I, I wanted to say. Eh? Thank you very much. Zipo, before you leave, how long were you in the U.S. for? I was in the U.S. for eight years. I came back last year, December. You are a disappointment, man. You don't have an accent. You should be saying, you know, when I was in the States, man. I I deliberately make sure I don't have one. (laughs) Guys go there for eight weeks. When they come back speaking like they they were born there, you... Yeah, you. No, uh, I was there to represent South Africa (laughs) and I maintain my accent, yeah. Well done, mate. Thank you very much for the call. All right, congrats, Lerato. Thank you, thank you, Sipo. 089-110-3377. Uh, Muzi, yeah. to me, represents a whole lot of people mm. who may not pick up the phone now and ask that question. Yeah. Got amazing stuff, got amazing ideas, but how, where do they start? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very, very proud of Muzi. I think he started in the right way. Mm. He, he, was, he mentioned he's trademarked his product. Yeah. That's very important because the minute you want to operate outside our borders, even 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 domestically, you need to make sure that your trademark is protected because um, now you're exposing it to to other people yeah. who may or may not um, copy it and the like. So so that's a, that's a good start. I think Muzi um, is the kind of person then that we as DTI are meant to support and enable to access markets, whether on the rest of the continent mm-hmm. or in the rest of the world. Um, so depending on the product, he happened to say merchandise. So, you know, it's, that's quite a broad... Things spoke about clothing in particular. Um, okay, so in, 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 irrespective. Yeah. Um, so what, what we would need to do um, is to have a conversation with him around the markets that he's interested in, number one. Because that's the thing. You, you need to, in the industry that you're in, you need to have a sense to say... My greatest demand is U.S. Yeah. Or my greatest demand but, but is the rest of the country. Don't you have that kind of information 
where you are, where you would say, actually, mm. we think the people who mostly consume what you're selling yeah. are in this we'll part be, of the continent. We would we would give that guidance um, yeah. as well. But we find that a number of, of, of companies already know where they want to go. Mm. So now, what's important to them? Um, we can walk the journey with them in terms of where, where the product needs to go. What's important then for the companies is that how then do we get the product to that market to give it the exposure? Mm. Now, that's where DTI also helps because we've got what we call the Export Marketing um, and Assistance Scheme. This scheme is a, it's an actual incentive that helps uh, companies expose their products to external markets. And it doesn't have to be in the rest of Africa. Mm. U.S., Asia, Europe, wherever. So what EMEA does, and depending on the size of the company... Um, there are different conditionalities. So what we would be funding, for example, would be the airfare of, of, of the person, uh, the accommodation, the subsistence allowance over there, getting the product to that market and dealing with all the customs and clearance yeah. uh, requirements. So we do that. Um, and, and, and EMEA can be applied to in two ways. They can be individual, uh, where an indiv- individual company applies and then they go and showcase their products. Mm-hmm. Or um, it's group. Uh, particularly trade fairs and pavilions. And trade fairs and pavilions are very expensive. So we'd rent out as well the space under the EMEA scheme uh, for those particular companies. So Muzi uh, would be a perfect candidate for that because then we can also share with him to say in the clothing and, and, and textile sector, for example, how many pavilions do we have in the world? Yeah. Um, and which ones would he, would, would he be keen on or are relevant for his particular product? And um, through the EMEA, then he can, he can then possibly get that support mm. um, to go and expose his product. Small business players don't have the luxury of, of money and, and resources to, to take care of themselves as, you know, are big players who are already in the continent, mm. your Vodacoms, your MTNs, mm. your ShopRides, who are already out there in the continent. Beyond taking Muzi to trade fairs and perhaps paying for him to stay in a less air-conditioned hotel and stuff like that, what what more support would you give? Uh, physical support, mm. yeah, more than moral support. You know, I like yes. moral support, but I want more than that. But actually, don't underestimate the importance of going to market. Yeah, and and. What an expensive endeavor that is, um, particularly on the rest of the continent. Just a flight alone to get to that mm. market. And what we do when we, when we provide that support, we don't let um, our companies just go on their own. We make sure that we set up the right meetings with the right people. Uh, we facilitate the engagements that are necessary. We make sure that we talk to our, our own counterparts who themselves would have trade leads because on a daily basis, the DTI... Yeah, they is, know best. Absolutely. Yeah. The, even us, um, we get trade leads on a daily basis from Country X where they say we're looking for this and that product. So we're also able to connect our own suppliers in South Africa with those. So so, so it's, it's a long journey that we work um, with our entities and our companies. And it starts as basic as sharing country and market information. Um, w- with with the companies that approach us. We will tell you, for example, in the SADC region for your product, this is a tariff that would be applicable, you know, if um, it had to be exported, it had to be imported, all of that. So we share that sort of information so you understand the market that you're engaging in. Um, and, and we do then a process of elimination as well to say, and, and as, as you pointed out earlier, which would be the right market for mm. you? My core focus is the rest of the continent so i can tell you on the continent for your product this will be the ideal place and we walk with the with our companies then to say 
Now that we've identified these two, three potential markets for you, the next step is going there, is exposing your product. And in doing that, then how can we support you? Then we take you through. These are the, the potential incentives that you may have. Yeah. And it's not just about the exporter. We also get those companies that want to invest in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And they come to us and say, you know, we've got an interest. We want to set up uh, a plant for X, but we don't know how to go about it. Yeah. Again, we walk our companies through. These are the possible funds you may need to prepare your project. Feasibility studies, scoping and all of that. That's quite expensive. And that support is necessary because it's part of how we contribute to the de-risking for our companies when they engage outside um, of South Africa. Okay, let's take more calls. Uh, Admire uh, in Centurion. Good evening. Evening, how are you? Can I ask you to pull over, mate? Uh, the, the feedback is terrible as you're driving. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm in a car and it's moving. That's my point. I'm asking you to pull over for five seconds so that you can ask your question and we can hear you. Please, guys, let's do this more often. It helps a lot. The feedback is never good. You may think you're okay, but for radio, it's not too good. Admire, have you pulled over? He hasn't yet. yet. Uh, okay, ask your question. Uh, let's let's move quickly. Yes, Admire, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, to, to support a point which uh, she mentioned earlier when she said uh, South Africa sometimes he looked down upon the African market. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. He, sometimes we get products from as far as Japan, and actually they come through Deben, and then transport it from Deben to the border into Zimbabwe. For example, in the past years, I've been dealing with cars, and we're importing cars from Japan, but South Africa here, yeah, they do assemble cars. Mm. Why is it that South Africa is not keen to sell cars to Zimbabwe, to sell cars to Malawi, to sell cars to, to, to DRC? Some of them are collecting them from Dar es Salaam, but from Japan as well. Pass through Tanzania, pass through Zambia, only to deliver the cars to Zimbabwe. So we need to look into those things. And the other point she says is that... Um, South Africa needs to invest in the infrastructure so that uh, there is accessibility to the market. Mm. For example, uh, there is Zimplus in Zimbabwe, of which I believe Zimplus supplies uh, platinum to South Africa Mm. as a raw commodity. But the accessibility, the road to get to Zimplus, the Bed Bridge, Arare Road, is the worst. Why is it South Africa can't invest in the infrastructure development of Zimbabwe so as to reach that market and improve in the trading. Okay. Admire, thank you very much for the question. Get back on the road and listen to the response uh, from Lerato. Very important point from Admire. I mean, I wanted to ask him some questions, but I won't. Let, let me hear from you. No, thank you. Um, he, he raises a pertinent co- uh, point around um, automotives. But I also have to correct him because uh, South Africa is exporting a huge number of, or huge volumes of uh, automotives assembled from South Africa to the rest of the continent. Mm. However, just as with clothing and textiles, a number of um, our partner countries or neighboring countries 
they allow second-hand importation of vehicles into the economy. Mm. South Africa does not. So the number of vehicles that come, particularly Japan mostly, um, that would come from Japan destined to the rest of the, of, 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 um, the, the continent would be second-hand vehicles. Oh, so we don't take So they will transit South Africa. They will not stop in South Africa because yes. we don't allow importation of, of, of second-hand Most vehicles. Most of them are ugly, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so, so um, I'm, I'm sure, admi- obviously, when, the, when they're on the trucks, they look all shiny and brand new, but they're, they're second-hand. So that actually addresses that issue. Oh. It's not a function of South Africa does not want to export to the rest of the continent. And I think I also have to correct him there because... It's not that South Africans have a perception of inferiority necessarily of, of African products. I think it's an overall Afro-pessimism issue that, that, that all of us as Africans have to contend with around how do we begin to to take ourselves seriously and take our own products seriously. So so, so that's the issue on, on, on the automotives. Um, and in terms of investing in infrastructure, he raised a pertinent point. I mean, Bridge is critical. Um, as a transit route mm. for us as well as South Africa into the rest of the region. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of work is, has, has happened. And I'm sure if he's gone down the road recently, he would have seen um, the improvements that have been made. DBSA has put quite um, a huge amount mm. uh, in terms of road uh, infrastructure rehabilitation. And that's part of our response as government uh, using our DFIs to say, let's develop But is that, is that response made more difficult? And let's again face it by... Sometimes the not so stable politics in parts, some parts of the continent. That, that I mean, that does have uh, an impact. Uh, but again, that's where entities and agencies like the ECIC become critical. Which Export, is Export Credit Insurance Corporation, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is an agency of the DTI. And and whenever we go and undertake a huge infrastructure project on the continent, we always make sure that we've got ECIC on board because what they do is they ensure. Your, your product or your investment. Um, and that insurance include political risk cover. So should any political decision happen or expropriation or a war break out, um, when you've got ECIC on board, then you're covered. And it's always critical to, to make sure that when you go out as an entity, whether on your own or with us as government, get your insurance, yeah. speak to an ECIC, get your political risk coverage. And it does not matter that it's on the rest of the continent, even in Asia, even in the U.S., wherever you go, it does not get matter. your insurance. As an exporter, get your insurance. As an investor, get your insurance. In fact, more importantly, if you're going to do business with the U.S., you need it more. I promise you. <laughs> that guy is doing something special, and I, in, in no time, your product won't be safe in that country. Lerato writes on Twitter. Uh, she has no name, but she's got a, a tweet. Uh, so I don't expect you to... But you should, you should know Lerato because she says, that's my boss. Rams telling the country how we are working towards increasing intra-Africa trade. Yeah, so she's Lerato. You probably know Lerato. Thank you very much for that, Lerato. We 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 could lose time talking about difficulties and stuff like that. Let's let's mm-hmm. spend a bit of time celebrating some of the successes. Share share with us some of the businesses that have done well. And and I don't want to talk about the big the big businesses. It's easy for them. They can mm-hmm. buy their way in there. What what have been the great some of this exciting stories of you know small businesses that came through you and are doing amazing yeah. stuff in the continent we've got quite a few it's a pity that i mean we always have to get that permission to just specify well, you don't names. Have to name, yeah the name but, but we talk about um, the business absolutely ever since we were launched in july 2016 we then took a decision to say you know as a country as a department we've got the black industrialist program yeah 
And one important element of the Black Industrialist Program is market access. Um, and, and the market access we're talking about, a lot of work is being done to create access to opportunities in South Africa. But there's an important component of market access to the rest of the continent. So uh, we've been taking out missions um, in collaboration with our Black Industrialist uh, Unit at the DTI. Specific um, industrialists that have been supported by the DTI to expose them to to the rest of the continent. Mm. Our first two that we took, uh, we went to Nigeria, we went to Ghana. And I will tell you that just from those two missions, um, we took about a group of 10, about four of them are busy now with negotiations to conclude contracts to supply different sorts of products um, into those markets just by undertaking those missions. Yeah. Uh, we've just come back from one from Uganda as well mm-hmm. uh, with the same group. So for me, that gives me joy, right? Because it's, 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 um, it's small businesses. It's black businesses. Yeah. It speaks to transformation. Um, and we're doing our part to give them the exposure. Mm. Um, it doesn't exclude everybody else, but this one is our specific support um, to the BI program. And, yeah. and, and, and that, for me, is, is quite exciting. I mean, we've only done it for less than a year, and we're seeing results already. Um, Temba, in, 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 on the Easter End, in Davidton, mm. yes, who, who makes nails, or anybody else, who's listening now, what are the, some of the low-hanging fruit of product and services that guys should think about taking across the borders into the continent? Some of the, the easiest that we never think about every day and we think, nah, but nobody's going to buy this. Mm. I mean, the quickest moving products have been consumer products, consumables. Um, but what we say about the continent is that don't limit yourself. Temba's nails are equally in demand on the rest of the continent. Mm. The infrastructure built on the continent says that there's demand for um, Temba's nails, right? Yeah. But the question is... is, is hey, by the way, Temba, you're very picky, not Manala. <laughs> but, but what's important for us to support Temba is to make sure that Temba's product meets the specifications um, that are required in whatever market is going to be operating on. Yes. Um, so Temba needs to have gone through what we call our export development program in the DTI. And their program helps somebody like, like um, Temba who wants to engage outside of South Africa to know what's required, to know what contracts he needs to enter into to move his, his nails, um, what freight forwarders need to be involved. He needs to know what standards are required. He needs to know what labels are required. You know, he needs to know what trade agreements are in place and what tariffs are applicable to his product and all of that. So um, we really encourage Atemba to go through their program if he's never engaged outside of our borders. Yeah. Right? If he has and he's met all those, again, we take that... We take Temba and we make sure that where we know there are key opportunities for infrastructure development and there'll be a demand for his nails, it's our responsibility to then share those opportunities with him and broker, where possible, those supplier relationships. Yes. So, so we don't exclude people that have no knowledge of operating. That's why we've got the Exporter Development Program. And, and we really encourage our companies to go through it, those that have never engaged outside of mm. South Africa. But those that have as well, we then also hold their hand and, and, and uh, assist them in brokering um, some, some of the deals and opportunities that, that, that arise. What we also do is to 
supply what we call aftercare. Because once you're in that market and you're supplying uh, or you have invested, things can happen. Dynamics can change. Regulations yeah. can change. So we also step in and say, we've got the leverage and our value proposition is that we've got the government muscle behind us. So we have, we use our relationships, government to government to engage and deal with some of the blockages mm. and the market access impediments that may arise. So, um, you know, we, we don't exclude um, or preclude everybody or anybody. Um, and, and for a person like a Temba who's never engaged outside, there is a division that deals with that in the DTI and we give you the total solution basically. Okay. Let's take one last call. Uh, Ivan in uh, Soshanguve. Good evening, mate. Uh, good evening, Ramsey. Good evening, mate. Good evening, Ivan. And, and me, I'm Ivan. I'm also known by Monate Archer. I'm selling Archer in the middle of intersection on Mulefe Makinta Highway via Soshanguve and Hamasgram. Mm. So I would, I would like to take my Archer far outside South African country. As like UK, we have a lot of people who are from Africa because Asia is a proudly uh, South African product. So what I would like to do, I would like to take my product outside South Africa, even in Lesotho, Botswana. Okay, that's uh, outside South Africa. We, we get it. We get it, Ivan. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's see how we can get your Monate Archer uh, elsewhere in the continent, in, 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 in the world. One last question comes from Sifiso Keswa, who says, would it not be cheaper to buy crude oil from Nigeria? So let's answer Ivan's question and Sifiso's question, uh, and then we conclude our conversation. Yes, Ivan. Um, you are welcome to get in touch with us um, at the DTI so we can look at your product and uh, where necessary assist you to engage um, agriculture department if there are SPS issues. Um, because Stop you know, talking in, in, sorry, in foreign language. Me. I know. Uh, we use acronyms every day, so pardon me. <laughs> your listeners will pardon me. Uh, particularly when it comes to agriculture-based products or agro-processed products, we always make sure that we bring in our agriculture departments because there are particular standards yeah. around food food products and agricultural yes. products, um, sanitary, phytosanitary standards. Yes. So, but it's not an issue because we also broker that conversation yeah. to make sure that this, the right certifications are in place yeah. so that when you export your Monate Acha, you export it with a confidence that will be accepted in yes. the market you're exporting it to. So, so we're happy for, for Ivan to get in touch with us and then we, we have that conversation. So... When are we buying oil from Nigeria? We are buying oil from Nigeria. We've got a trade uh, deficit with Nigeria precisely because of the oil we buy from Nigeria. Oh, good. Okay, so we are buying it, and is it cheaper than buying it from uh, elsewhere in the world? I won't argue cheaper. Um, I mean, we've got. I suppose. Div- I suppose oil is the price is set, set elsewhere anyway. OPEC, yeah, it's you know? set by so OPEC. You know, so it doesn't matter you where know, you per buy it. barrel, how much it is. Yeah, and yeah. So, so that, that that's the case. So, I mean, we, we've got a diverse um, number of countries on the continent. We import oil from Angola. Nigeria yeah. uh, and the like and, and we continue to do so. Um so so that's not an issue for us. I've got three hundred and two more questions I'd like to ask you. <laughs> but I'm already in deficit of time. I've passed my limit. So I have to conclude this conversation. How do people get hold of uh Trade Invest Africa? Please email us. We've got uh a dedicated email particularly for inquiries. Uh it's trade invest Africa info. That's one word. All of it. All of it. Wow. Trade Invest Africa Info at the DTI, T H E D T I, one word, dot gov dot za.
Gee, you guys uh, are not very conservative with letters that you use. No, no, we are not. <laughs> because we want to make sure that they actually send it to the right uh, to the right entity. So Trade Invest Africa Info, one word, at the dti.gov.za. Um, and we also have a call center number, um, 012-394-9500. Great stuff. Uh, we're going to ask Tato to put that on the page and so that people can get hold of you. Uh, and one of the things I'd like to do is perhaps let's have a seminar with some of our listeners in a room, you know, because airtime is not always always, uh, successful and and talk to people about what they can... I want Temba to come into the room and talk to you guys and... and and probe, yes. Let's, let's spend half a day doing this. We're going we're gonna to do that. Thank you wonder, very, very much for your wonderful time. And I, I am enlightened. I know much more about what you guys do. And I love what you do. Thank you very much. And, I appreciate the time. And all the best in your career. Thank uh, you. We, we shall be watching after you've completed the master's. And uh, I did complete my master's. In the, the UK. Other part. Yes, yes, yes. But I still owe the Germans the other master's. <laughs> so, well done. All Thank the you. best and wonderful having you here. Thank you very much, Rams. She was our guest on Meet the Boss. We do podcast this part of the show. Do listen in. It should be podcast ready by tomorrow, midday or so. And that concludes the show. But I'm going to have to leave you with this because I think it has to be a, uh, a Facebook post of the day from a guy called Tabam Moroba. It says, Wabona working for government is anything. Enter your GPS work location. The address changed. Netsu. He's speaking about <laughs> the reshuffles. Well, from me, Rams Mavote, good night and God bless.